Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Product-Led Podcast. Today, we have a really exciting episode where we're going to be talking about uh, the role of support experience in product-led growth. And support, honestly, to be upfront, it does not get a lot of attention just because, I mean, it, we all think about like marketing and sales and like those are the main like meat and potatoes of, you know, a product-led strategy. But what's so interesting, we were talking about this before we went live as well, which was support in a product-led company changes quite a bit. So when you're sales-led, it's more post-sale and that's kind of the main focus. You're supporting customers after the fact. But when it's product-led, it's it's really before the sale is actually a lot of the support. And when companies typically launch a freemium model or something like that, what they find is support is just that much more important. And so this can be a really great conversation. And uh, we have Joe, who's the CMO at Support Logic, uh, to kind of like share a little bit more behind the scenes of how to think about support and really build that proactive support experience uh, to power your product-led business. So Joe, welcome to the Product-Led Podcast. Thanks, Wes. It's great to be here. Looking forward to the conversation. Awesome. And so I just want to know your like obsession with support here. <laughs> can you share a little bit more about um, your background and what kind of gets you excited about this topic? Yeah. Fantastic. So, you know, I'm a 30-year tech industry veteran, mostly, you know, in go-to-market roles. I'm the CMO of SupportLogic, an early-stage uh, SaaS company that is focused on helping companies deliver a better support experience, as you noted. And I've really spanned across, you know, different uh, levels of the stack from infrastructure all the way up to, you know, spending the last 10 years or so with SaaS companies. My obsession with support, you know, goes back 20 plus years. I was at a software company. Um, actually, before I really got into marketing, I was a, a support business analyst and I helped internal support functions at a very large, well known software company. And back then, we were, as you said, in the old traditional model, support was always a post sale function. It was all focused on uh, fixing customer issues with the product after they had bought the product. And as a result, it's always been important, but it's been somewhat in this after-the-fact silo. And uh, companies have always had a, a cost center focus to it. Um, they haven't invested in it too much proactively because in the old sales-led model, right, the most important thing is, is selling that product up front. And so one of my early roles was to help companies improve the support experience by focusing on first call resolution, making sure that customers, this is in a big call center, customers were reacting uh, very quickly and efficiently to solve a customer's problem. And some of the tactics that we use were surveying, understanding, hey, was the customer's problem resolved? This is back in the day when net promoter score became a big metric. NPS, having a, a single metric to measure, you know, will customers uh, recommend or promote your product or solution makes a lot of sense from a simplicity standpoint. But there are a lot of challenges in terms of how companies are surveying their own customer support experience because it's looking back in the mirror. It's not 30 days ago. There's not really anything that you can do to improve that customer support experience. So that became sort of my why I believe very passionately that there's a lot of room for improvement in the area of support. Uh, fast forward another 20 years, right back to support logic. What we now see, what we've seen over the last decade is a big shift to subscription models, right? Everything as a service, 
and also PLG. Uh, Product-led growth is a major driver for the need to having a great support experience because guess what? Support is no longer a post-sale activity. Support is now critical across all the stages of your customer lifecycle and journey. And so we can dive into that a little bit more, but that's, you know, to answer that question, why I'm so excited about it and why I think there's such a big intersection with PLG. Yeah, no, I I really like this topic too, because it's like, it's not something that you hear a lot. It's (laughs) everyone gets excited about all the other departments and it's like, and then there was support. (laughs) And so... um, Like the lost stepchild. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to be talking about the lost stepchild today. So why don't I just share quickly, like some of the key takeaways that people can get from uh, listening to our time together here. Yeah, so... I'd like to talk a little bit about why support experience is a key driver of success for PLG companies. I want to talk about what are practical steps companies can take to improve the support experience, which starts with understanding how is your support experience today, and then what are the levers that are required to improve that, and how this all plays in to the PLG strategy. One of the things we'll talk about is there's a difference between PLG native companies, which I think to a large extent have figured this out. But the larger opportunity are for entrenched large enterprise companies that want to shift to PLG for all of the benefits. And we can talk about that as well. Investing in that support experience is one key lever to make that transition go faster. Totally. So let's say, like, I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast, they are maybe in like that sales ad business and they're thinking to themselves, like, yeah, this, this sounds great, Joe, but like, nah, you know what? Like, how do I get started? What are some of those things that I could do? Because right now, support is seen as a cost center. It's only like post sale is like when we think of support. Do we need to do like the freemium model thing first and then we worry about this support problem? Or like, is there different ways or stepping stones for people to think about as far as like changing that mindset from like something of more reactive, like, okay, supports there, people have issues, but into something a bit more proactive? Yeah. So let's assume that companies are selling via subscription model, at least recurring revenue models today, not the old, you know, legacy model perpetual, again, I'm going to you know, steer towards technology, but perpetual licensed software model where you sell it, forget about it, and come back three years from now. Even if you're not PLG, if you're selling in that motion where your offering is a recurring revenue, you need to make customers successful day one. So investing in onboarding, having customers make sure that they're deploying your software quickly, that their users are adopting it and showing them how they're adopting it and showing them the value over time of what your offering delivers to them is sort of step number one. And a lot of companies are not doing that well today. There's been a huge shift over the last few years towards customer success model. And I would say anyone in a reoccurring revenue business in the technology side, we're all in the customer success business. However, the old model of, hey, we're going to have quarterly QBRs and we're going to talk about what's the value that you're getting. It's really important to have more frequent conversations with your customers and to show them the value that they're getting and to focus on that onboarding and adoption. So that's kind of step number one. 
And then for companies that are evaluating or considering moving to a PLG model, and maybe we should take a step back and maybe your listeners are intimately familiar with kind of the landscape of PLG, but just, you know, I'll reiterate some of my points around the model. So it hasn't been around that long. I mean, I think it's really been in the last 10 years, but it's really only been five or six years since PLG, the phrase was coined. And in that time, the market has shifted. There are now 40 public PLG companies, which is a a tremendous growth. There are also, if you look at the fast growth cloud companies, um, there's a Cloud 100 index. These are the top private companies. And today, 61% of them have some sort of PLG offering. So it's been a very quick title shift for this old established business model to move towards PLG. And it's left a lot of the large established players wondering, okay, how do I get in on this game? The benefits are clear to PLG. Companies have higher valuations. They can have higher retention. And they have more efficient sales and marketing engines, right? In today's economic climate, the focus on you know things like LTV to CAC, right? Customer acquisition cost ratios, the efficiency at which you acquire customers can be much higher in PLG companies because you're not investing as much in sales and marketing. So the benefits are there. And now companies are wondering, how do I make this transition? And so that's kind of step number two, which is the first thing you have to do, and you have a good framework for this, Wes, on your product-led content, is you know I think you define six different models, right? From freemium, free trial, new product offering, there are a few others. But I think a lot of companies, they take a stab in the dark at it at first by launching a free trial or launching, you know, and then this segues into a freemium product, you know, and again, we think of like Zoom or Slack, right? With a freemium product. And for many businesses, that makes sense. But for other businesses, it doesn't make sense. I think you learned in you know in your own experience with Vidyard, and, and we're actually going through this transition ourselves at Support Logic, is the value that a, an, a user gets from your product versus the economic buyer, because PLG necessitates a shift towards serving the users instead of the traditional economic buyer. That value, it may not be received or uh, recognized within a 30-day trial period. And so this causes companies to go back to the drawing board and say, which lever do I use to get this model right? Yeah, I think it's really important to think about why are you doing some of these things, like especially when you're thinking of like the model. And yeah, where a lot of people definitely get in trouble, which you mentioned too, is like, okay, let's just slap on a free trial. This company's doing it. That company's doing it. Like that's the best option for us to do. And then they go through it and it's like, oh, it's not successful. This model sucks. 
<laughs> uh, well, they don't necessarily think the model sucks. They're like, uh, being product-led just doesn't work for our business. But yeah, I wanted to double take on one part here. It's like a lot of people think it's just a conversion tool, which is it's not. It's an engagement tool. I'm writing a, another book on product-led strategy specifically. And like the, one of the things I'm finding is like, you know what? The fundamentals of business have not changed. There's like, you still need to acquire customers. You still need to monetize customers. You still need to engage those customers to activate and retain them. And then you also need to expand them. But what has changed, which you're alluding to as well, is the order of those items. So it used to be enough for a sales like company to be like, I'm going to acquire these leads. And then I'm going to just move on over to that monetization step. And then I'm going to engage them in the product, get them to value. And then it's going to be all about expanding that opportunity. Whereas like a product-led company, it really just has to start with like acquisition. Okay, that hasn't changed. But the mm -hmm. thing that changes is it's all about engagement now. So like, how do we serve them? How do we retain them? How do we activate them in that sense? And then it's all about monetization and expansion. So yeah, it's, it's interesting you pointed that out too, because that goes in line with back to support. Where does support live? <laughs> exactly. So if you think about that model, and I love your simple model of the four stages, and essentially you're flipping the middle too, yep. right? Engage before you monetize. And engaging is all about activating those end users. Again, you mm -hmm. focus on the user, not the traditional economic buyer. And how are they using the product? How are they doing? You know, I love the jobs to be done framework, which is in their day-to-day -day lives, they're trying to accomplish certain things. And how are you helping them do that? And if you can do that really concretely and show them that and make them recognize the value that they're getting from your product, then you've basically gained a loyal user for life. And then you can monetize them. But that first step is often skipped. And to your question about the role of support, support is so critical at this stage because often users are, are trying to figure out right how to turn it on, activate, use, may have questions, they need help, they need guidance. Many of the traditional enterprise sales-led products are not that intuitive to turn on because, let's face it, the companies are focused on selling to the economic buyer. And then, oh, we have you know a thousand users who are going to turn it on. Okay, we'll, we'll set up some trainings. We have some knowledge bases. We have some video courses. Right? That completely has to get flipped around. And how do you do this in a you know one-to-one -one way, engaging with each user and showing them exactly how to use it, how to accomplish the jobs that they need? And so this often results in support calls, um, support inquiries, support visits to the support portal, to knowledge base articles. And so that whole experience of helping the initial user, it doesn't really matter whether they're you know, paid at this point, or they're still free. If you can help them and make them successful, then the conversion, we talked about conversion from freemium or free trial to paid, the conversion opportunity is significant. And so that's why focusing on that initial support experience is so important. Yeah. Do you have any, like, I guess from the different companies you helped as well, have you seen any trends where 
like companies are using support teams in unique ways to really amplify whether it's engagements or just helping users see value pre-sale because I know with some of the companies we've worked with as well that are kind of around like either the 10 or 100 mil range, they have actually had some good success using onboarding coaches, which are basically support reps who really get the product. They understand how to use it, understand how to help people towards it. But they actually assigned them a number, which is like helping them get product qualified leads. So like they'll just be looking at, okay, the number of users who sign up and okay, these people got stuck and they're like actively proactively reaching out to them like, hey, can we help you like get this set up? It was a difficult integration. I know, let me, let me help you with this. So curious on your side, like what have you seen teams do to really amplify support, give it like that more different, like maybe not necessarily a task, but just like really big involvement in pre-sale? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Some of the companies we work with and also some of the, the PLG native companies in the market that we've talked with have a sort of inherent focus on getting that experience right up front. And to be clear, they may not call it support. They may call it CS or customer success or customer onboarding, customer adoption. They may have you know little individual role-based teams or just call it CX, one of the PLG native companies that's on that public list that we're actively talking with now calls their entire experience team that focuses on support and success CX. And so what they do is tend to do is, is to organize around the steps through implementation, onboarding, and adoption. And it really starts with understanding the customer journey and understanding what is the quickest path for the customer to be successful to accomplish the job that they want to do and get value from the product. And that that differs from every company, but for every company in their product. But that's the principle that they start with. Okay. And is there any other like big shifts that people should be thinking about? Like, so there's thinking about like the difference of the roles of being proactive, but like you know, break that down for me. Like, so let's say they're in a sales company right now. It's just like post-sale. Now they're monitoring like, okay, who is seeing value like in the product? There's some different things for their everyday that yes. might be different, but anything else where it's like for support people, like they now should be doing this versus this, or maybe it's just like eliminating some things and doing others. What What kind of changes for someone who is doing support in this capacity for a product like company that is really big that they would have to like reconsider or change up? Yeah. Another big lever is the use of AI to understand the customer sentiment and be able to quickly drive the workflow of these teams that we're talking about to better serve the customers throughout the life cycle of their journey. And what I mean by that is, let's go back to the beginning of our conversation and where many companies are operationalizing support today, where it's post-sale, it's after the fact, it's break-fix, it's I'm going to react to a customer inbound support request because something's broken and maybe they're mad and we need to make it right. That's the reactive mindset that most companies uh, today, their support organizations are in. And this is why Support Logic was founded, because we believe that there is a, a way to help companies be more proactively focused on delivering that better support experience. And 
where AI comes into this is that there is now the ability through technologies like natural language processing to ingest and understand and analyze all of the customer signals that come through the support channels and the customer service channels. And so if a customer is at that early stage of adopting a, a free trial product and they run into a snag and they're frustrated and they're detailing where exactly this happened and there are some questions, they need help obviously, but there's a lot of intelligence that they're feeding back to the company. Today, that just comes into a ticketing system and just sits there and it's static until an agent or support engineer goes and acts on it. But with AI, the ability to help prioritize which cases to go focus on first. So you have this backlog of potentially thousands and thousands of cases. Which ones based on how urgent is the customer's issue? How frustrated are they? Which ones to go focus on first? Because a customer in a traditional model or a paid customer could escalate. And escalations are costly and they're really important to address quickly and get right. But in a PLG and freemium and free trial model, the customers are just going to leave. They're not going to even be paid customers. The other thing that AI can do is to help the company assign the case to the right agent. And it's not just based on availability. Hey, I've got Diana or Charlie over here in this time zone and able, you know, ready to take a case. It's who's best from this type of issue? Who has experience in dealing with these types of challenges? And who has shown that success in whatever the the technical requirements are of the product? Um, And assigning that dynamically. Yeah. So I know for some people, they're going to be thinking like, okay, Joe, that sounds great for your tool. And like, if I want to invest, I could definitely do that. But What's the process that someone could do to do this without a tool? Like if, even if it's just manual, if let's say they're an early stage company, they're not at that mm-hmm. point yet where there's like tons and tons of reams of data. What's like the V1 kind of like process you'd recommend that companies could do to get pretty close to that? But obviously it'd be a lot more like time consuming and stuff to do. Sure. I mean, the principle of this is to really listen to and react to customer input as near real time as possible which means you don't wait for the 30-day-old you know, CSAT or MPS survey because by that time, the problem you know, has happened and it's really too late to fix from the customer experience standpoint. So when these tickets come in, when these support requests come in, there's a triaging that happens. And you really have to have a pulse on listening to your customers and directing the actions of your success and support team Mm-hmm. to improve your customer experience. Now, the reason why AI tools, not just support logic, but tools like support logic have become so popular now is because the AI helps you deal with precision and scale. And that leads to timely resolution, which helps companies become less reactive and more proactive. So that when you get high growth companies especially plg companies in this the revenue ranges that you're talking about right 10 million to 100 million arr 
this is where things start to break because you can't hire people fast enough. But the principles of it are the same. Whether you're automated or not at scale, it's about proactively listening to your customers and addressing their problems. Yeah. One thing I want to point out here too is like, this isn't like just supports job too. (laughs) Remember I was interviewing before to the uh, CEO or former CEO of Hotjar. And it was always mentioned like, you know what? If there was a Bible for my product-led company, it was the Zendesk export. <laughs> like you would just constantly reference this Zendesk export. And he's like, Yeah, I get all my insights, I get all my ideas, I get all like how we can prioritize what to focus in on for the business. And it's just amazing when you kind of have that insight. So for someone who like they have, let's say a support tool or they're at that stage where like, okay, they are starting to get things in one place, whether it's like a Zendesk or the Helpscat or something like that, where, okay, they get centralized support tickets in one place. What are some of the best ways you recommend for people to actually like triage and go through and sort through these things? Because there's hundreds and thousands of like these tickets that are created, especially if you're a high growth company, like what would be your like 80-20 kind of analysis of this, like what to focus in on and how to really kind of process some of that information so you can easily or hopefully quickly get some of those big insights and roll them out. It sounds like, and I'd love to talk with that executive that they've developed some, you know, manual triage process to export all that data and look at that pretty frequently and react to it quickly, which is great. In principle, I mean, that's the same thing that I would recommend, which is to say, get a pulse on what are the big customer, reoccurring customer issues. And for PLG companies specifically, right, what is getting in the way of that initial adoption, Mm -hmm. of that initial success, of that getting to the value, and how do we, and, and formulating a plan to unstick it. And that is kind of big priority number one. Big priorities number two is when you get larger, loyal, paying customers over time, really understanding what are the things that need to be fixed across the business. It's, you know, there's a lot of product things. One of the principles of why Support Logic was founded was because, you know, our founder who came from the world of support believed that support engineers have a lot of valuable customer knowledge. They know more than really anyone else in the company. But that voice of the customer, that value of that information was really trapped in the silos of the support teams and in their heads. So part of what, you know, this this person who you're talking with and really what a company like ours is focused on is unlocking that value to serve the broader organization. That's why, you know, that notion that we're all in the business of making our customers successful and supporting them throughout their journey knowing this information is very powerful. What are the areas of the product? You know, it can't be a thousand. It has to be like the top five. What are the things that are critical to improving our customer experience and unblocking some of these issues on the adoption and, you know, customer lifecycle journey that are going to help drive our PLG and long-term success model? No, I like it. I kind of all recap it too, because like those top three things uh, to really look for if you're going to do like some crazy audit of all your tickets too. And I broke it down by like short, medium, and long-term. I'm curious if you'll agree with this too, but like for short-term, good understanding of like what's blocking people for adopting a product 
If you fix some of those things, you're going to see immediate wins very mm-hmm. quick for your business. A little bit more medium term is like, what are those like reoccurring issues that keep popping up, whatever those are in your business? And then long term for some of those potentially bigger customers is like, what needs to be fixed for these folks and really get them underway? Obviously, if it's super urgent, make that quicker. But yeah, what are some of those like when we think about the evolution of support and why it's so critical? Like, you kind of caught. I don't know. Y'all just spew it out. But like when I think of like product-led growth, it's like I think of this big transition between like serve before you sell. And the support is really in a lot of ways, I think it's always been the embodiment of that in a lot of ways. And this might sound like controversial, but it's like then if that's true, then is everyone in support (laughs) in a business, which is like, okay, there's a lot to there. I'm curious, like, what is your overall take on just how to get a company to think more around that mindset shift of like, how do we serve before we sell? How do we get more people to really see value before they even pay? Because there is the support side of the equation of like, how do we really help people pre-sale? But then I think on the internal side of the business, that's really the hard part in a lot of ways of like, how do we get people to really want to do this even before the post sale? All this work to help a potential customer. Why don't we focus on our customers kind of thing? Um, how do you get people to, to kind of change that mindset in your mind? Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Totally. I think three or four topics. Yeah. The last thing you said of, of how do we get people to care about non customers, right? Before they become a customer, that's the first mindset. A change that has to happen in a PLG model is yeah. we think of anyone who is a good potential fit. They're in our ideal customer profile. They have uh, users who are now trying us in some form or fashion. Uh, we need to treat them like a customer because they are a customer, whether or not they're paid today. And they are an important constituent. And we need to get that experience right. The other thing is in thinking about how do we go and triage and really understand what's happening. This mindset shift of unlocking the insights where we're all in that in the support business, it's because, again, in that cost center break-fix focused model where it's all post-sale support, um, businesses, it's driven by the financial metrics of the business, which is we don't want to give them too much support We want to give them just enough support so that we can be profitable as a business. But what changes now in this PLG model is that that we need to give them full support to maximize the conversion and retention and growth of these customers. And I think one thing I've learned from spending a lot more time with support people is generally by nature, they want to be helpful. They want to give of themselves of their knowledge to help customers be successful. And so that mindset and mantra which can be you know positively infectious to the rest of the organization is really how companies th- should think about serving their customers totally now one of the last questions i have this one <laughs> we'll see how it goes but any crazy stories that your team has regarding how you do support differently at your company? I'll give you an example while you think about it. This. So I was interviewing Tim Solo, who is the CMO at Ahrefs, and he has everyone on his marketing team spend one day doing support every single month. 
And at first I was like, oh, that's peculiar. And then I like, I totally get it now. <laughs> it's like, it makes a ton of sense. Like, especially for marketing teams where it's like, you're able to understand the customer better. What are their pain points? Okay, they're probably going to search for some of those too. Even like what competitor alternatives, all that stuff. So like, support just this gold mine of opportunity for marketers as well. So anything on your end at like SportLogic, since you're like kind of pioneering this new way of doing proactive support, Anything that your company does that's uh, besides the AI side of things that you feel like is like yeah. really different and unique? Yeah. Well, I love the principle from the company that you talked about where everyone spends a day in support. Likewise, we drink our own champagne or dog food our own product, um, yes. as, it, as it's known, to really understand kind of a day in the life of our customer. And the other thing I would say is, is just break down the information silos to really unlock the insights that come through customer support experience, through the customer signals. Because anyone in the business, whether you're in product engineering, finance, sales, marketing, will learn something that can serve the business better by understanding that. So provide access to everyone for the support tickets, for the escalations, for the customers that are on fire, and really understand why. And that's one of the things, that's one of the principles we share with our own customers, mm -hmm. which is in the support world, there's this notion of swarming, yep. which is where you bring in subject matter experts to help at any stage of the issue uh, versus the traditional support model was called a tiered model, where you had this you know, set of role handoffs um, in a more formalized way. But the swarming model really unlocks that. And it says, okay, if, if this executive or this product person, this marketing person, right, has an experience with something that can help this customer, bring them in right now. Don't wait. And so bringing everyone into the process so that they can learn, so that they can better serve customers, ultimately strengthens the business. Totally. And is there any, like, I guess, simple ways that you unlock those insights like whether it's like i don't know all hands meeting there's a section for like sharing some mm -hmm. of these like insights or i don't know team memos or something like that that you do internally to kind of like make sure that the focus is always on kind of unlocking some of these insights yeah i mean i think there are a few things look at the end of the day we're still a relatively small company we're a high growth startup so some of these anecdotes work for us because we're totally. just small we all interact with most of each other on a day-to-day -day basis. But these are some of the things that we do that are also extensible to much larger organizations, which are make your support, your frontline support agents, your support engineers, the heroes. You know, it's, it's always sales who gets credit, right, for selling a big deal, but it's not often the customer success or support person or product uh, manager, engineer that had a very pivotal role in making what you do land at a customer and delivering value to the customer and creating right the runway for that revenue growth with the customer. Celebrate those successes. We do that. We see some of our you know best customers doing that because again, when you're flipping the business model and transforming the mindset, putting support and success first is really key to having everyone focus on it and also recognize the value of it. Totally. Yeah, I like that focus of like really 
putting them on the pedestal, sharing that as like whether it's kudos, team wins, or something like that, too, to really mm-hmm. kind of embody that. And I think it can also go a step further, too, around the cultural values and yeah. whether it's like help first, go above and beyond, and just kind of like what is the embodiment of that uh, that we want to communicate across the company. And then, yeah, showcasing that as people who are doing it. One thing I'll suggest, and I'll, I'll make a little self promotional plug, not just for support logic, but for the support community. We started last year uh, an industry conference called SX Live, and you can check it out at sxlive.com. And you can see on demand a lot of the sessions. And this was not about pushing technology of any vendor, but this is truly an industry conference of uh, seasoned support leaders, as well as agents and support engineers throughout the function, um, getting together and really talking about the techniques and the tools, right? People process and technology and, and some of the changes that's going on in the world of support. We had sessions there on PLG, on unifying support and success. And so a lot of that was really creating a stage for the support community because back to the previous point, these people generally have not been front and center. They have not been the heroes for their organizations. And this is all about celebrating those wins collectively as a community and as an industry. And we look forward to doing that uh, more and more. Awesome. So everyone knows where to go if you want to dig more into uh, support. And thanks so much for coming on, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Wes. Thank you for listening to the Product-Led Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with a colleague or friends you know who might benefit. We are always looking at which episodes get the most listens so we know which content to create more of. So if you want more of this particular type of content or style of episode, please share it out. And in return, here's your selfish reason to do this. Uh, We will definitely create more content just like this episode. And if that's not your style, please leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts and tell us your favorite part about this podcast. I personally read every single one of these reviews and it gives me more ideas on what content we should do more of. Happy growing.